Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about 21-22, can't believe it, hockey cards from this season, 21-22 Upper Deck MVP Hockey. We're also going to talk a little bit about the All-Star Game that's coming up and the skills competition that's coming up. I want to talk about the new Premier Hockey Federation mascot that came out last week. And we're going to talk about some other fun things. So, Tim, how you doing, man? I'm doing. So, I want to talk a little bit about this new mascot that came out, the Premier Hockey Federation, which I know we've touched on a little bit here and there over the past couple of shows. You talked about watching games on ESPN+. Plus. We talked about them moving their All-Star game to Buffalo. Upper Deck released cards for PHF uh, last week. They were on EPAC. And uh, they're also going to put out a full set of cards in the fall. Uh, so a lot of a lot of PHF news recently, which is good, because I've heard more about the Premier Hockey Federation than I ever heard about the National Women's Hockey League, which is the league that it replaced. So I think that's good. It seems like they're doing, they're taking things in the right direction. Last week, they released a mascot for the league called Goalie Tender, which is a purple fuzzy goalie. And I, I think it's cool. I like Goalie Tender. What exactly is it? Did they explain what it is? Did you watch the little video? Yeah, but I still it's, don't know what it is. It's like a little monster or puffball or something. That's fine. It's a puffball. It's a popple. What's a gritty? What's gritty? Yeah, I remember popples. I wonder if it rolls into itself. Didn't those do that? I think those did. Yeah, that. they were kind of lame. They were like trans. They were like transformers, but like stuffed animals that just turned into like a a ball. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I mean, what's what is gritty? What is uh? What is Victory Green? I mean, think of some of the NHL mascots where we go, what is that supposed to be? Like, we know Iceberg's a penguin. We know Bailey's a lion. We know Sharky's a shark. Isn't Victor a, some kind of alien? Doesn't he have antennas or something? Probably. I mean, I think he does. So, Goalie Tender was created by a high school student named Corwin Dixon, who is a junior in high school, plays hockey, plays goalie. And also, as an artist, entered their design contest and won the mascot design. So I think that's cool that it was like something that was like fan created, you know, wasn't like created by marketing and like, you know, overanalyzed for two years and done all these focus groups and stuff. It was just something that someone created and they said, yeah, this is cool. We like it. And, you know, they grew it from there and I like it. I think it's a good mascot because I could see it definitely appealing to children and I could see it appealing to some adults too. I mean, not every mascot has to be edgy and mean, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm just, it makes me happy. I'll, I'll buy a shirt when, uh, when a goalie tender shirt comes out, I will, uh, I'll wear one. I'm sure they, if they don't already have them. I'm sure they're going to come out quick. Did you, did you happen to watch the game? I did not, unfortunately. I had a lot going on that day. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Do tell. I enjoyed it. I was kind of the format was a little weird. Um, so I three teams, kinda, right? Yeah, and it was set up. It was five on five. It was five on five with three teams. Yeah, but they but they did five on five uh, for ten minutes, 
and then it was five minutes of three on three and then a shootout hmm. so all three games went that way so it was a little weird but actually it kind of worked it was still entertaining I, I gotta ask something and you don't have to have an answer for this but what i want to know is if there are six teams in the league and they make three all-star teams does that mean like every other player is on the all-star team or in the all-star game because that uh, seems like a lot of teams for yeah i don't know what the full rosters are so i don't know what the percentage of all-star versus non-all-star ends up being you look at the nhl you got 44 of the best players out of over 700 you know what i mean there's 32 teams in the league and four all-star teams that aren't even full 18 you know the full 20 uh, man rosters 18 skaters two goalies you know it's it's 11 you know nine skaters and two goalies so i mean the nhl has a really small comparatively speaking and the uh, PHF has, you know, like I said, like six teams and three all-star teams, but whatevs. I don't take this too serious. I know some people are like, oh. I know last week we were like, you were saying like, how is it a participation game or an all-star game? And are right. there some players that should not have been all-stars? Like I could think of lots of players that should probably not have been in all-star games, but you get to that where every team has to be represented it's right. supposed we, to be fun. Yeah, and we talked about that before is, you know, do you want to see all the best players in the league? Because if you do, then you have to get rid of the requirement that every team has to have a representation because the bottom feeder teams obviously don't have any players that are playing all-star worthy hockey at that time because if they did, they probably wouldn't be a basement dweller. Now, right. sure, individual statistics, and they could be carrying themselves, but what does that do for the team? Not a whole lot, because they're obviously kind of playing out of the toilet. I mean, Montreal, for example, Arizona, another example. I mean, both of well, them always have representation, and you know, they're they're not, from a team standpoint, they're not that good. I mean, if you're going to pull a player just to play in the All-Star game, fine, but there's so many other players that are on a much higher level that end up getting snubbed because they can't fit into a roster spot because of the requirements to fill spots with the PHF, the way they were set up, as far as I could tell, everybody was voted in wow. uh, as a, with a fan vote. And mm -hmm. then the captains picked their own teams. Nice. So that was kind of a cool thing. I think it reminded me of when they did the fantasy the fantasy draft the one year for the all-star game. Yes. They also had um, honorary coaches. And I know uh, Megan Chaika was one of the honorary coaches. I can't remember off the top of my head who the other two were. But they were all people that, like, have done a lot for the advancement of the women's game for hockey. So that was kind of cool. I thought that was cool. So hopefully next year they, you know, step that up a little bit. Yeah, like I said, it was a weird format. I I think they should get rid of the five on five for the whole thing. I think they should do what the what the NHL does and just go three on three for the whole mm -hmm. thing. Because it just it it kinda kinda drags the game down. Or I mean they could even do like do half four on four and the other half three on three or or just do the whole thing three on three. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm not remember four on four overtime in the NHL? Um, yeah. Wasn't that great, was it? 
No, it wasn't. No. I mean, you have that much open ice when there's three on three. A lot can happen, and it's just exciting end-to-end play, back yeah. and forth and back and forth. But, you know, it's one of those things. But, so, yeah, so, I mean, I like that. The game itself was pretty good. It was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. It was definitely fun to watch. And one of the cool things was two of the players that I got out of the PHF packs on EPAC were two of the team captains you know, as I was watching and, and reading about stuff and, and, and kind of going through, I'm like, Hey, I know those people. I'm like, I have their cards. Right. Yeah. And so it made it, made it a little, a little more interesting to pay attention to. So, but it was fun in the first game, team Thunstrom won three to two over team dark Angelo, uh, game two, uh, team dark Angelo beat team Dempsey. And then in game three, Team Dempsey beat Team Thunstrom five to one. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much uh, how it ended. So mm. yeah, it was it was interesting. I'll definitely pay more attention going forward because it it definitely was good product. So now we have the NHL All Star Game coming up this weekend. All Star Weekend. Yes, it is All Star Weekend. Tonight's the last night of games before they shut it down. Yeah, so uh, you want to talk about these new skill competitions? Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I, I don't even care anymore. Like, I like skill competitions, but I remember, like, one year it felt like a three-ring circus where there were, like, three things going on at once. There was, like, one guy shooting pucks at little little tiny nets that were, like, like, a foot wide or something. I mean, it was, like, ridiculous. And then, like... There was, like, other things going on at the same time, and I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. That was, like, the relay event. Something like that. Yeah. So, like, the one year they did that, all of those, but with one guy. And then another year they did it where they broke it up into teams, and they made it, like, a relay. So the one would do his event, and then when he was done, it would go to the next guy, so on and so forth. Um, I like the two new events that they announced. I think they sound really cool on paper. So the first event that they announced is the uh, they're calling it uh, 21 and 22. And basically what that means is we're in Vegas, right? And what do people do in Vegas? They gamble in Vegas. And what's one of the most popular games? Blackjack. The idea of this is to get a blackjack or 21. And the way to do this, they basically have a board set up and this is how they showed it on the, mock-up of this there's a big board at the end of the ice and it's playing cards kind of like the old card sharks board if you remember Mm -hmm. that that game show that used to be on tv um and there are all these playing cards and players take turns shooting pucks and whoever can get 21 the quickest wins with the least amount of shots i guess so Mm -hmm. basically you have to hit the cards and try to get 21 I thought that was cool. It's kind of like an accu- it's kind of like an accuracy accuracy thing mixed with uh, the Vegas flair. Um, so that kind of looked cool. I heard they're going to be shutting down part of Las Vegas Boulevard um, for these events because they're outside. They're setting mm-hmm. them up outside. Um, so <clears throat> the other one is the the. I think they're calling it the fountain face-off. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, this is going to take place in front of the Bellagio. And those of you that 
um, are familiar. The Bellagio is known for its giant um, pond or lake in front of it where it has its uh, synchronized fountain show that goes on, which is really cool if you've never seen it before. It's pretty amazing. They do it to it's synchronized to music every hour and you know otherwise the fountains go off and it's really cool to look at but they're going to eight players get on a boat and they take the boat out into the little lagoon lake thing and they're going to um be on little rinks and they're going to try to hit different targets from those areas mm-hmm. on the on the rinks so that kind of looked cool too so that's interesting you know it's a different different thing it's outside different mix um but of course all of the ones that everybody knows and loves like fastest skater the hardest shot the breakaway challenge the accuracy shooting those will all be included so good don't fret if you like any of those events they will all be there so what's this now about man on Ryum and wyatt russell participating yeah. so they brought it they're bringing in some um special guests i guess um because he's so good at trick shots apparently now he's the expert uh trevor zegris was invited to um wow us with something other than his michigan in mm-hmm. the breakaway challenge i guess mm-hmm. um or maybe he's doing fastest skater i don't know he's 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 participating that's all i know mm-hmm. um but manon rayom and wyatt russell who I think we talked about on the show before, um, used to play goal. Yes. Um, he was a goalie in quite a few different, um, I think both amateur and he played on a couple of professional teams, I thought. So he um, played, never I'll in tell the big you, clubs. But. I'll tell you, because I actually wrote an article about Wyatt Russell, and uh, r- lately that article's been getting a few hits because of this. Um, if you so, don't know who he is and you watch Marvel, he was the new Captain America in Winter Soldier. Yes, um, Johnny Walker. Yeah, and he we, turned we, into U.S. agent. Yes, so, I could but, talk your ear about that because I'm a big fan of Captain America and one of my favorite runs in the old Captain America series was the whole U.S. agent thing. Well, and prior to U.S. agent, um there were like two Captain Americas for a while. One was Captain America, which was Johnny Walker. The other one was called The Captain, and he wore the black costume, and that was Steve Rogers, because basically in the old comic, the government was like, Captain America, you work for us. And he's like, no, I work for no one. Or like, well, we still own the the costume and the shield. So he's like, fine, and he turned it in. And then um, he got another costume and another shield, and was the captain. And anyway, so of course they didn't, you know, they, they took it in a different direction with the, with the, uh, the TV show Falcon and the winter soldier, but yeah. uh, His fate's in the hand of Disney right now, whether or not he's going to continue as a character, but we'll see. But yeah, so that's, that's who that is. Unless there's something, you know, that I don't know. I mean, I don't really know anything. If they bring back Falcon and winter soldier, which they left it wide open. If you Mm -hmm. watch it, sorry, I gave away a spoiler, but. But anyway, that's that's who Wyatt Russell is. In case oh, people are and so. he was in he was in Goon Two: Last of the Enforcers yes, he as was. as Anders Kane, and that's why he has a hockey card because Upper Deck put out a Goon Two trading card set as a giveaway item, and so um, 
yeah, when I started doing a little research, I'm like, Wyatt Russell, he sounds familiar. I know that yeah. name, right? And then I realized, oh, he was in Goon 2. I have a hockey card of him, right? And yeah, and he played he played goalie in college, but he wasn't very good. Uh, well, let me take that back. He was the third string goalie, so he probably take that for very, what it's worth. Yeah, so take yeah. that for what it's worth. And then uh, and then he, he did play pro in Europe, but I mean, you know, I, I, again, it wasn't like it wasn't like he was in the AHL for seven years or something. Yeah, I was going to say. Or the ECHL. I mean, he yeah, was. I, I know he was on a couple pro teams, but they weren't anything that people are aware of at that point. But anyway, he was a goalie. So anyway. Obviously, Manon Rayom was a goalie. Um, and apparently, they're both strapping on the pads to take shots during the breakaway challenge. Now, I don't nice. know if they're going to be the goalies for the entire event or if they're just going to go out there and take some shots from some people to see what they can do. But, I mean, no offense to Manon, but, I mean, <laughs> no, we're, I, I, we're getting up there in age and stuff. And She's just, older than us, and we're getting up there yeah. in age. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. Not that she can't go out there and still play, because I'm sure she can. And so it'll be interesting to see how how that works out. And then I guess also, um, if you remember back when Kendall Coyne Schofield was invited and she did the fastest skater and almost beat yes. all the guys. Yes. Um, Jocelyn Lamoureux was invited this year, and she's going to be competing in some of the events as well. So. No, that's great. So the girls are getting a chance to play with the boys. So. I like it. Yeah. So that so that should add an interesting aspect to it. So, you know, it's Vegas. It's in Vegas. It's Vegas. It's you know, you got to do it up, right? Um, so hopefully this will be a, a fun event this weekend, and um, you know, we'll 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 be able to talk about it next time. So Kerry Price making his announcement. Yeah, did you watch that at all? I did not. There's not a whole lot to watch. I think it didn't last very long. Um. I was fully expecting, you know, everybody said, ah, no way he's going to retire. I fully expected him to get up there and, you know, give a, give one of those, um, you know, Lundquist kind of speeches. Like I really wanted to come back, but it's not happening. Right. Um, instead he basically said he was doing well. He just had some setbacks in his, um, rehabbing and he wants to come back this year. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there wasn't many other interesting things that came out of that, which is really weird because you, if you think about it lately, we've had press conferences with various players over the last few weeks in the Canadian media. And I mean, there's been fireworks left mm-hmm. and right. You know, we go back to the dry cycle thing and, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the Oilers announced Evander Kane, Mm-hmm. I mean, there's barbs being thrown and, you know, little underhanded comments and stuff like that going on. And then, you know, here the first time all year that, that prices even talk to the media and nothing. People weren't asking like the hard hitting questions. They weren't really pressing him at all for any information. Kind of let him speak his piece. It just seems it seemed really weird. And that I was, seems nice, though. I like it. Well, I was really hoping, honestly, that somebody would have asked him, you know, be, because remember that this the story goes, and nobody knows really what happened, 
but he entered the player assistance program, Mm -hmm. which we all know has become kind of synonymous with some type of mental health issue, Mm -hmm. regardless of what it is. And I, I know nobody, you know, that's private and people won't, you know, say what one thing is versus another. So, you know, that's left for speculation unless the player wants to divulge it. So, Mm -hmm. but he entered that program for, for help for whatever he needed. And, you know, he also had injuries that he was dealing with and trying to rehab those. And, you know, the setbacks that he had, you know, with a mental health issue and physical issues combined, that takes a toll on anybody. And I really wanted somebody to say, yeah, you're saying you're okay, but you know, where's your mental state when it comes to the game? Do you still have the drive? Do you still have the want to play? Do you still love the game? I mean, his demeanor that he was giving off, I told me that he doesn't. But again, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to read somebody like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Now, the fact that he wants to return this year, I don't know. I mean, that's like, it's like, here, put on your brand new tuxedo and here's your debut. Jump in this dumpster fire. Yeah, no, steer clear. Between the COVID and the Canadians being just a a bad team this year, yeah, I mean, I I get why he'd want to come back. Players want to play. And I I don't, I think that asking a player, well, do you still have the drive? It's like, yeah, he says he wants to come back. If he didn't want to play, he wouldn't play. Yeah, but is he is he saying that because that's towing the company line? Like, yeah, I want to play. Yeah, I want to come back. I need to help my team win because I'm on this team and I've been a Canadian my whole career and, you know, this, that, and the other. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, truly, I truly did not get the impression that he seemed that really enthused about it. But, you know. Again, I I don't know Carey Price. I don't I don't know. I mean, I know of him. I don't follow his career to a T. So if there's fans out there of him and follow him all the time and watch everything and listen to everything he says, they may have a better opinion of it. But that was just the impression that I got from the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And you can go and find it on. Um, I'm sure you can go and find it on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there somewhere if you want to watch it again. And if we can find a link, I'm sure we can link to it here too. So let's talk about the, real quick, let's talk about the Buffalo Sabres. Or I think I want to start calling them the Buffalo. The <laughs> Buffalo say, LOL instead of we, B-U-F-F-A-L-O. No, B-U-F-F-A-L-O. We'll end it with LOL, Buffalo Sabres, because... Do we even want to talk about the Sabres? I just want to... You know what? I Because I had to look up how many goalies they had or who their goalies were, I, I feel, like, compelled that I want to just talk about this for a minute because, like, it's just like... Okay, so the Buffalo Sabres this past weekend, they came pretty close to suiting up an e-bug, I guess, because... I, I guess like teams can Are you sure because I think the e-bug was even sick. Yeah. Um well I mean their goalie coach is Mike or not their goalie coach. One of their assistant coaches is Mike Bales, who used to play college hockey. He's got a classic hockey card from like I think ninety-three classic pro prospect. So I mean he could put on the pads, guy played college hockey, but um I uh just real quick, so uh you have 
Uko Pekka Lukonen, who was injured, Craig Anderson, who was injured, Dustin Tokarski, who was getting over COVID, Malcolm Subban, who was injured, Aaron Dell, who got suspended for three games for an interference call, which was really a, a body check on a, on a player that hurt him. Um, Well-deserved, by the way. And then Michael Hauser, who got diagnosed with COVID. So, like, you had two guys who had pro- COVID problems, and then you had one, two, three guys who were hurt, and then you had one guy who was suspended. Fortunately for the Sabres, um, Anderson was well enough to play on Saturday. Tokarski was well enough to play on Sunday. So they they both got back into the lineup. But I was just kind of like, all right, who's next? Who's like it, it's it's I don't want to say it's fun because it's not fun to see players get hurt or be sick. Um, we all love a good e-bug story. But this was like, we were kind of like, is it going to happen? And who's it going to be? I mean, I know like several years ago, or maybe it's like five years ago. It was a while back. But uh, Artur Zerbe used to be with the team, I believe, visitor goalie coach. And he suited up as an e-bug. Like he suited up as the backup or something like that. I don't think he was actually on the bench, but he was ready to go in if they needed him. So it's funny just how like when you don't have a goalie, like anybody who's eligible, like that, that. Um, when they talk about in the rule book, they say like, you know, all teams shall dress two goalkeepers. If both goalkeepers are injured, if they have a third string goal goaltender in the building, then they're eligible to play. And if they don't have a third string goaltender, then any eligible goaltender in the building is the, I believe the language that they use. So just, yeah. You know it's so bad when you went down those names and named all of those goaltenders. The fact that all of those guys are rostered and eligible as playable goaltenders, it, I mean, that's that's insanity that there's that many. Because you can go down most of the teams in the league. I couldn't. Like, I'm a Penguins fan. I couldn't name five or six guys that would be backup goaltenders. Right. I mean, I don't even – that would go so deep into their system – they would have to eventually pick guys up. And that's kind of what happened here. Tokarski and Anderson had no business. They would have never been in any of those situations ever. Well, they had, Tokarski, they had Tokarski on the roster last year. And they had Hauser was uh, brought in late last season last year. Um, Anderson was signed in the offseason. And uh, Subban was picked up in a trade with the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks weren't doing anything with him. He was just playing in Rockford and not really doing anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, now what I want to know is when NHL 23 comes out for Xbox and PlayStation, will the Sabres have six goalies on the roster that you can play as? Good question. You know, it was like, uh, believe it or not, you know, in NHLPA Hockey 93, Ray LeBlanc was a playable goalie for the Blackhawks. Because that one game that he was in um, qualified him to be in the game, I guess. Or they just wanted to put everybody. I don't know. I mean, I know like uh, Rick Nickel was with the Kings. I can't remember if was if he was put in NHL PA 93 or NHL 94. No, I don't think he was in NHL 94. But you get the point. It's funny sometimes when the video games will like put those guys in. Well, then you saw what happened later on, I think. We were talking about it earlier today. You know, they ended up playing the Avs with ten forwards and seven D because 
bunch of other guys were hurt and on in the protocol also. In fact, it came down to 30 minutes before game time before Victor Olofsson and Rasmus Dahlin were actually cleared to, to jump in the game. Right. And uh, Rasmus Asplund was cleared also, but he didn't get to the game on time and couldn't couldn't play. Plus, they had staff members out and everything else. So it's like, I, I mean, it's, it's bizarro world to have that many missing spots on your roster and have to try to play a game. Couple that with the fact that you're already... I don't want to say one of the worst teams, but yeah. you already are at a disadvantage from a performance level right. than some of the other teams. I mean, of course, they didn't win the game, but you know. I'll tell you what, Tokarski played good. He, I mean, he wasn't bad. Um, guys in front of him weren't as good, but you know, Tokarski played pretty good. Yeah, you know, I that backup role. I mean, I know everybody wants to play where they're comfortable, but I think that's when the coach has to say, okay, which of you defensemen has played forward before? You know, maybe in peewee or in high school or whatever, you know. Yeah, and part of that, part of the problem there, I mean, they lost Casey Middlestad in the first period. So, I mean, that was unexpected. You know, he was supposed to be in the lineup, but he got hurt. So, and with Tage Thompson already out, and then all these guys on thing. Well, this you know, here's the thing. Going forward after the All-Star break, because the NHL changed the rules of how they're going to be testing guys, no more non-symptomatic testing. So we probably won't see this as much. I think the COVID lists are going to be a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. The protocol lists. No, I've already noticed the rest it. Of the season. Yeah, and you've started to see that now. So, you know, guys that are asymptomatic and don't have any issues or anything like that aren't going to be – aren't going to have to pass tests to to get into game. So um, whether you agree with that or not, I mean, it's it's sports. You know, they're well, a business. They're trying to make money. They're trying to put the best product on the ice. You know, it, it is what it is. So Well, one thing, like, I, you know, I run a fantasy hockey league, and, I mean, up, up until Christmas, I had a lot of guys who had COVID or, or were on the IR, but usually it was because of COVID. And actually, one of the things I did was I expanded how many IR spots you could have, because I think originally I did something like three. And then I realized that, like, you know, I had like you might have a guy who was injured and then, okay, you put him on the IR. But then you have five guys who have COVID and it's like, well, I really don't want to, you know, dump this player because he's sick for maybe a week because he's a good player. Um, but yeah, so that was something that I became keenly aware of when I started looking at like all the other fantasy hockey rosters in my league and see that like every team had was carrying like four or five guys who, who were on the COVID list. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I gotta like figure out how to add more spots to the IR, you know, but now I'm not seeing that, uh, so much now. So I, you know, whatever. It's another reason why I didn't play fantasy hockey this year. Why? Other than the fact that it's already too hard trying to combat all of the guys that are out because they're in a protocol when you have, you know, three games a week or maybe four games a week if you're lucky with a player potential. And then, oh, by the way, we're just going to randomly cancel a bunch of games too. So those aren't going to happen. It's it's too much. Fancy yeah. hockey's already already hard. Yeah, it, it, made it, it definitely made it a challenge with um... – uh, 
like games getting canceled or postponed, you, you'd be looking and go like, all right, I got one guy playing tonight because I got six guys with COVID and I have four other guys on two teams that are having their games postponed. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, not good. Um, so uh, you want to talk just a little bit about the Bruins doing a jersey auction? Um, You're going to, what, auction the warm-up jerseys that they wore during Willie O'Ree's retirement ceremony? Yeah. Retirement um, so last last week they retired Willie O'Ree's jersey to the rafters. Um, and as part of that whole... Um, celebration thing and everything else. All of the jerseys that were worn by the players were um, taken by uh, May Gray and put into auction. Um, so from from pretty much that point until February 16th, uh, you can actually go and bid on any of those jerseys worn by the various players from the Bruins. Um, and I think minimum bid was like 250 for most guys, mm-hmm. and some of the lesser players were like 200. I want to say lesser players, but lesser oh, lesser known players were like mm-hmm. 200 to start off. Um, but it's a uh, great opportunity to get uh, to get a piece of history there um, from that event from that ceremony. It's always cool to get the jerseys that have the special patches on them and stuff like that because they're generally rare because they don't wear them that often yeah yeah no uh i i you know it's gotten to the point where i don't think i'm ever gonna own a game worn jersey because sometimes they just go for so much money but i think if i did own one i would definitely want something older and not newer but that's just me like if you said hey do you want this patrice bergeron jersey that he wore during warm-ups or do you want this like Troy Murray jersey from 1989? I would pick the Troy Murray jersey, even though the Bergeron jersey would probably be something I could resell pretty easily. But that's not why I'm into it, obviously, or, or would be into it. But uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, so um, yeah, cool. They're selling the the jerseys. So let's 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 talk about some collectible stuff since we're already talking about investments and collecting and stuff. Uh, you told me about somebody called Starstock. Well, it's a it's a company, not a person. Cool about this because I am so see. Unlike you, I'm not okay. So Tim is like our high roller guy. Tim goes and he's just like you know. Well, let me let me buy a case of the cup, and he throws down his he flashes his gold card, and he'll open a case right at the counter of the store. He'll leave most of the cards behind, you know, and just take the hits and go home. And then he'll like you know throw them in magnetic one touches and put them up on eBay with you know buy it now is a four thousand dollars. That's how you collect, right? I mean, whereas me, I'm like you know no, I don't oh. I don't collect, I invest. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I'm kidding. Right. Neither of us are like high rollers here. Um, so yeah, I'm not really privy. I mean, I, I do get sports card investors email newsletter, <laughs> but I only read yeah. it half the time. So I, I don't even get that because yeah. I don't want to. But anyway, um, so 
here's the thing. I, I'm not I'm not involved with this. Yeah. I just know it's been happening because there have been all sorts of things happening over the last probably six months, uh, hobby related that have, um, for lack of a better word, been awful um, from a hobby standpoint. Mm-hmm. So the Starstock issue, for those that don't know what Starstock is, so there's a company out there that that uh, purported itself to be the stock market for sports cards. And the whole idea was that they were going to be a marketplace for collectors and investors alike to buy, sell, and trade. Um, so you would have a place where you could essentially um, trade cards, um or buy um and they would take pictures put all the listing information categorize your stuff put it up for sale you could manage your account and if somebody bought your card you sent it to them and then they sent it to the other person well, it kind of sounds like Com C a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, so it sounds totally like Com C. Yeah. So the difference here was that they were originally targeting to be higher end, um, and it was going to be mostly uh, modern, like modern cards. Right. And it was going to be higher end, graded, um, you know, that kind of thing. Now, I'm no expert in this company, but. I can tell you they sought out investment help. Um, They took on a, from what I remember, I think it was something like a $10 million uh, investment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they got money from like some NBA players, I guess. I think Kyrie Irving was one of the investors into the company. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, so you fast forward. The hobby's booming, right? Everybody's everybody's selling and getting rich, and it's become an investment, an investor's dream to diversify their portfolios and and as many pieces of cardboard as they can because their stock market portfolio is garbage and their crypto isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. So they're jumping into the cardboard world, and what better place to go than Star Stock? Oh, but I don't have all these graded cards, but I have these really cool other cards because um, I just opened this box of mosaic prism whatever that I waited in line at, at Walmart to buy in my flip-flops and shorts in the middle of winter. Um, and here, I'm going to send you these and I'm going to sell these and whatever. So they started taking raw cards and they were going to do um, grading for the rock card. So we're going to take these rock cards for you and we're going to act as middleman and send them to a grading card company. The grading card company will then send them back to us. They'll be in your account and then you can buy, sell, trade as part of your account. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly who they were using. I think it was CSG, CGS, whatever they are. Um, anyway, We've already talked about the whole grading card thing last week with the group submitters Mm -hmm. and that whole fiasco. Um, So here's another company that's group submitting. Um, They also started dabbling in box breaks. 
Um, so, uh -oh. so again, all these things that are the hot thing to do and the thing that draws a lot of attention in the new era of the hobby are now pulling them away from what their original game plan was. And instead of them being all in in this area, they got a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit yeah. here. And what does that do? That stretches you super thin and moves your focus away from what your original purpose was. So from users of stock, star stock, uh, people, you know, they've been accused of kind of losing focus of their actual marketplace and focusing more on these other things. Um, and so fast forward last week, they apparently fired about three fourths of their staff, possibly more. Uh, the rumor was between 45 and 60 people were canned. And this included pretty much all of their intake department, all of their shipping department, all of their customer service department, anybody that had anything to do with the grading side of the company. Um, so all of these people got got canned. Now the CEO came out and he said that they were fine, no problems, everything's good, and they're just going to, you know, refocus on more, you know, graded cards and and sealed wax and, you know, other new collectible categories as they pop up, which anytime anybody these days says other collectible category, they mean NFT. Let's just not kid ourselves. Wait, no, I, I think they mean Funko Pops is what they mean when well, they say other collectible. Fine. You can think that, but I I know better. Hey, I'll have you know that they now make plastic boxes for you to put your Funko Pops in so that they stay in mint condition. So great. You put. I'm not talking oh, about so, loose figures in a box. I'm talking about so, putting the box figure in a box. So, so if you open them up like this, they're not worth anything anymore? Right, exactly. Was okay. that Obi-Wan Kenobi? No, it was actually, um, it's actually Mankind. Oh, okay. I just saw, uh, I saw the hair, but yeah, I didn't. It's, it's Mankind from WWE. Yeah. With the mask, but he's got his suit on, like the Mick Foley suit and everything. Yep, yep, yep. My, my kids gave me that, but it was already open. I didn't open it. So it's not uh, worth anything. It's worth less. Than... It's worth to me. It's, it's still real to me, damn it. No, yeah. I get it. Um, so one so thing I anyway. just want to say real quick yeah, is when a company starts diversifying too quickly, like as soon as you said, now they're going to do box breaks. And right there, I'm thinking, okay, that's the death knell right there. Because when you are a relatively new company, heck, even if you're an old company and you try to do too much, you you start to, you start to uh, falter at some of those things. Now, it does make sense for a company to want to expand and grow. That's natural. But when you, I mean, like, look, it's like this, like when I look at like, for instance, like when I sell at card shows, and this is a very low level example because I'm not a company that has $10 million worth of investments in me or whatever. Right. But I, I know what I'm, I'm good at and I know what I'm supposed to do and I know what I'm not going to do. Like, for instance, I'm not going to sell sports jerseys. That's just too much other problems that I don't want to deal with. Like me, I tell myself I stick to shirts and I stick to cards. Those are the two things I want to sell. Yeah, I have a few other things here and there like uh, that I'll sell. A lot of times it's just things for my own collection, but I'm not going to like I'm not going to like start dealing in 
game used hockey pucks because then that's a whole other realm that I have to get into. And I'm not going to start dealing with like game worn jerseys or even new jerseys. You know what I mean? Cause that's, I'd be spread too thin. You know what I mean? Like, um, so when you say that like, okay, well they were going to, they were going to sell high end cards. Okay, cool. High end graded cards. Okay. Well now they're going to take ungraded cards and get them graded for you. Well, okay. I could see how that's kind of a service that, people would want, especially if it was at a discount, if they're doing some sort of group uh, uh, grading submission. I get that. I sent cards in for grading uh, late last year and it was expensive. It cost me like 150 a card. So, hey, well, that's I, the thing. Yeah. Their, their original plan to do that within their marketplace was working out pretty well in the beginning. I mean, good enough that they drew the attention of a lot of high profile people and investors and it brought the money in. Mm -hmm. And then like like i was saying they stretch themselves thin and like you said you start to you start to move yourself into all these realms where you don't have the expertise or the wherewithal to do it only because it's the you know it's the passe thing to do at the time mm -hmm. you're hosed and that's kind of what they did and that's what a lot of the sellers and people that had been on there for from the beginning have been saying is you know this was one niche that they had was you could send them you know, these cards and they would do the preliminary grading of stuff and send them off to you so that you could, you know, have a, a marketplace that was exclusively designed for, you know, that market, the people mm -hmm. that want the grading cards. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I wasn't on there, nor did I have an account or really look on there to, to shop. But now you move yourself into all these other categories, like we're going to group submit things and we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. I mean, PSA, BGS, all of them have been backed up for God knows how long. And they're going to continue to be backed up. I mean, yeah, it's getting better, but it's not perfect. And so now more, they start taking, you know, all these raw submissions. So now this place gets backed up. And so they're focusing on trying to get all these things through their grading and grading raw submission things and, and doing all that. Nobody's focusing on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Which means if nobody's focusing to grow the marketplace, people are going to start walking away from it. And if eyeballs start walking away from it, what do you think the sellers are going to think? Well, I've had this listed for God knows how long and no one's buying it. No one's even looking at it because no one's looking at the marketplace anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's been the problem from, I think, from day one from, from trading cards is if you don't have the marketplace to sell, then what are you really doing? You know, so many companies keep popping up left and right. Oh, here's going to be a great marketplace to sell cards. And, you know, it's going to do this and it's going to do that. You know, I, I touted what was the one last year that I was like gung-ho about, Trading Card Exchange. Mm -hmm. Go to their website now. It's dead. Is it? It's absolutely dead. Dead as a doornail. How so much I, time did you spend listing your cards and how much? I mean, uh, most of the ones that I that I threw on there were ones I had listed elsewhere before, so I already had the photos and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just a matter of sorting through them and putting them on there. But still, that's the thing. Even whether it took me any time or no time, the fact is you throw a bunch of cards on there, and if no one looks at them ever, well, what does that tell you? That tells you something's wrong and they don't have traffic. Right. Well, how do you get traffic? Well, you got to build that. you got to build trust, number one. You know, we talked about that in previous shows. If there's no trust, people aren't going to pay any attention to you whatsoever. Yeah, but you got to advertise too. You got to really market your. You got to really push. 
And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to bring the people in and it's going to tick sellers off, which is what this, this whole thing has. And I think people are going to, if they haven't done it already, you're going to start walking away. Um, you know, they started talking, you know, the CEO was talking about doing auctions now too. And so it's like, you're, you're essentially murdering your company. And I'm not really sure why, because they had a chance to be a competitor there, but you know, everything that they describe and moving forward and stuff, it's kind of like, okay, so you're the graded card comp C. I mean, that, that's really. Yeah, but comp C sells graded cards also. So I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. But if you're getting into other collectibles, meaning NFTs, comp C hasn't done that yet. Well, but. And anybody from there listening, don't bring that up as an idea. No, but I mean, nobody wants that. No, no, no. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, if ComC takes, what 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 cut do they take on a card used to sell on ComC? So you sell a hundred dollar card, what's their cut? Ballpark. Um, I don't need specifics. I was gonna say off the top of my head, I don't actually remember because it's oh, been man. so long since i've really even gone and looked all right well let me just see me what just that is here, but eBay i can tell takes, you in like two seconds well ebay takes 12 percent. so if somebody came to me and said hey we'll sell your cards and only take five percent instead of 12 percent," i'd be like okay i'm interested and then if they said yeah that two thousand dollar graded card that you want to sell will only take five percent instead of twelve percent like ebay then I would be interested. Then I would want. Then I, I'd be interested if I can get a, a high dollar value for it. If if I'm gonna make more money selling it through eBay, even with the twelve percent uh, fee that I would pay, you know, then I would just suck it up and do it because that's what that's what they're doing. So I mean, it's like a lot of these companies try to entice with like lower um, lower commissions, like. When I did that show back in November, it seemed like every time I turned around, somebody was putting something in my hand. We're doing a show next month. Here's our flyer. Please come check it out. Maybe you want to get a table there. Or we're a new trading card supply company, and we're going to make uh, top loaders and, and soft sleeves. And here's some product samples, and please check out our website. Or we're this company that sells... Um, that that you could sell your cards through our platform and come check us out and here's an offer code to get you know six months free or whatever so like every time i turned around somebody was trying to get me to buy something go to something look at something and i think that's good i mean like like i said in in past shows we are now in the stupid era of card collecting because there's just way too much of everything i'll admit before before this boom, this 2020 boom, there weren't enough card supply companies, hence the shortage of card supplies, you know, and there was like, there was room for more. There were, there was room for more everything. It was, a, it was a very niche hobby. And now it's, it's mainstream to the point where, you know, there's more breakers on YouTube or Twitch or whatever than we can count. Right. And there's more online platforms to sell your cards at you know only half the cost right so yeah we're in that stupid era it's five percent by the way five percent that's what i thought five Which that's the final selfie but if you send them cards obviously there's a lot more fees involved because mm-hmm. you oh. you have to have money in your account they charge you to intake bring things in 
They charge you storage fees for anything priced above 75 cents. What? So, I mean, there's there's a lot of other other thing. It, you know, it's it's not really for the cheaper stuff. That's the thing. Tom C. Yeah, sending them stuff that's cheap is pointless for you because you're going to You get have to sold. pay a fee <clears throat> because you list a card at a dollar or $2 or $5. I mean, not to get into the whole thing with it, but their, their consignment service, you know, they have two different versions. They have their standard and their select. Right. So their standard, it's a 16-week submission turnaround, and it's 50 cents per card. And you have to send them at least 20 cards. So the select is a two-week turnaround time, but it's a buck a card, and you can submit only 10 cards. Um, but... And then, of course, they charge you extra if it's like $100 cards and stuff like that. But, you know, you're talking, if you go with the standard service, it's $0.50 cents a card, and it's 16 weeks to turn everything around. It might be quicker, but that's what they give you as a window. So, really, you're looking at a four-month window from the time you ship them your cards. Plus, if you send them, you know, 300 cards, it's $0.50 cents a card. So, you got to make sure that what you're sending them is something that you're going to sell and you're going to get at least $50 plus yeah, the at least your you 50 cents pay. back plus more plus the shipping cost that it costs you to get it there um so you know and, and of course they have elite service too now that's like two bucks a card yeah i don't care um, see this is why i'm just doing shows because i i just i get to a point where i just don't give a shit i just get numb to it like I remember talking to Com C and, and like at one of the shows and then like after about four minutes of talking to the guy, I'm just like, all right, I've heard enough. This is this is just, you know, here's a fee. Here's another fee. Here's a fee for the fee. Here's the fee fee. Right. Like you, you got to remember, this is all this can all be rolled into the whole idea of a convenience fee, because if you're a general seller and we're not talking about what you're doing, but if you're a general seller if you want eyeballs on your product, where do you go? You go to eBay, right? Mm -hmm. And which means eBay is going to require you to get your cards, scan your cards, list your card, come up with all your description, figure out what you're going to charge, post it, wait for it to sell. If it doesn't sell, relist it, even though it automatically relists. Right, it yeah. But, you know, re go through the process of relisting. If it does sell, then you have to package it up, ship it, do whatever is involved with that. There's a lot of work involved with that. Yes. If you're going to send them cards and you let's say you you know you bust open a box uh, of something and you decide, hey, I'm going to sort through all this and I'll, I'm going to send Com C, you know, this shipment of, you know, 300 cards. Well, you know, those 300 cards is going to cost you 150 bucks to send them, but if you can make five hundred dollars on the back end selling them okay so now you've netted yourself 350 bucks minus the five percent sale fee on there so and what you what have you done you've taken all these cards you've not listed them you've put them in a box you've shipped them to them they've processed them they've scanned them they've put them up put the name put the information about it you decide what the price is and then you just wait for your card to sell 
and you can change the price here and there and do whatever. So you're paying the convenience fee, and I get all that. And I've liked the design. Don't get me wrong. I've said a lot of bad things about Comp C. But from the very beginning, I also defended them, saying that the whole model and their whole idea was a genius thing to do. And the yeah. way they did it was a genius way to do it. But like you said, what did Com C do that we were just talking about what Starstock did? Well, they decided to expand. We take sports cards. Okay, now we're going to take sports memorabilia. And we're going to take other kinds of autographs. And we're going to take comic books. And we're going to take this, that, and the other. Okay, fine. You're still doing product. You're still storing in a warehouse. You're still doing that. Oh, mm -hmm. guess what? Now we're going to take grading cards. And we're going to do you know, a grading card. Oh, guess what? You know what? We're going to do eBay auctions. Well, that's when the wheels fell off of that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because then they focus completely on that because for a company to do mass submissions so that they stay in the requirements of eBay's terms of service, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot, there's a lot of hoops that they have to jump through in order to maintain the, you know, top seller high status of everything, which causes them to kind of go backwards on focusing on their marketplace versus focusing on what they're selling on a different platform. And that's, you know, that's where that disconnect was. And of course the pandemic and the focus on the hobby and getting behind and all of that. So all of that plays into everything that went on, but you know, here we have another company that's now doing the same thing and ticking off a lot of its users and a lot of potential users and just everybody in general in the hobby. And, you know, we've spent, Way too much time talking about Starstock because there really isn't a whole lot of hockey on there. Um, you know, there's some, but you know, it's definitely not a lot. And of course, it's all ultra. It's almost all ultra modern type stuff. Unless you want to buy a, a PSA 10 Dominic Hasek rookie for 165 dollars. <laughs> PSA 10, you say? Uh, apparently, yes. So uh, before we move on, I just want to I just want to ask the listeners a question. So you know everybody calls eBay Feebay, right? Well, I do. Yeah, well we all do. So um, what I want to know is, should we call C O M C C O M F E or F O M C? What sounds oh. better, C O M F E or F O M C? Leave a comment or. Tweet one of us on Twitter. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the real DFG. Let us know if it should be FOMC or COM fee, but not FOM fee, because that just sounds that's double like, fee. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that that could work though. Two fees, that could also right? Work. Yes, definitely. I know for a fact we have some employees of ComC, so that listen. Oh so. well, yeah, they can they can post anonymously. <laughs> so uh. Let's talk about hockey cards, man. We, we spend too much time talking about investing in graded Joe Burrow cards or whatever. I don't yeah. care. Too much other crap we've talked about today so far. So 21-22 MVP hockey. So here's the, the basics. Before you, want, before you want to do that. Yeah. Don't we want to say the uh, what happened last week? Upper Deck released the... Young Guns checklist that everybody was excited about? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there was that leaked checklist that was wrong that I, like, said, hey, there's no Michael Hauser on this checklist. And then someone's like, and then you were like, yeah, there is. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I just 
looked at the wrong checklist. So yeah, I guess there's did a young go, guns checklist. Let me Yay. ask you this: did, did you go through it after the fact and, and see kind of what was on, you know, what was on the list? I probably glanced at it, but I didn't really think too hard about it. To me now, like checklists, like getting put out early are kind of like movie trailers. Like if I'm going to see the movie, I'm going to see the movie. I'm, I don't need to see the trailer to the new Star Wars movie to know that I'm going to just watch it when it comes out. So like, you know, they could put 50 scrub guns on that young guns checklist and I'm still going to buy it. So it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't, it doesn't build more hype for me. I know that like, there'll be like one really good player, 10 sleepers and 20 guys that'll be in the KHL and, three years so anyway well i guess from from the pulse of the hobby throwing stuff back out there after reviewing it and seeing what was um you know on that list a lot of people you kind of had mixed reviews you either had the people that were happy because they saw their favorite favorite rookie on the list Mm -hmm. and you had the people that were quite upset because whoever they wanted to see on the list was not included on that list. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of people fail to realize that are new to the hobby or necessarily aren't hockey people and are just looking for the young guns is that this is series one and there's a series two Mm -hmm. and series two has to have at least as strong of a list. um, If not coming out with a bang a little harder uh, obviously, you know, last year we had uh, Lafreniere in Series 1, and we had... Um, Kaprizov. Yeah. Um, in in series, series 2. In Series 2. So those were your, your two big ones in Series 1 and Series 2. This year, I mean, they led off with the Cole Caulfield in the sneak preview. So we know that we already knew that Cole Caulfield was going to be included in there. Right. But the good thing... Jamie Drysdale's in there from the mm-hmm. Ducks. A lot of people were excited about that, that he's got a card in there. Um, one uh, really good thing is um, the Predators, Tanner Janot, is in there. Mm-hmm. I think he's he was – him and Morris Cedar keep going back and forth with like fifth and sixth place in the points list for uh, rookies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on the list. Um, who else was in there? You got uh, Jeremy Swayman, the goalie from Boston, is in there. Uh, Spencer Knight from Florida, mm-hmm. um, another another big name that that uh, people have been waiting for. And of course, Trevor Zegras is in there from the Ducks, Mister Michigan goal himself. Um, so there, you know, there are some strong names. As you said, Michael Hauser's in there. <laughs> um, so, but. Overall, what's missing? Well, Lucas Raymond's not on the list. Okay. Lucas Raymond is basically the front runner for the Calder right now. So is he going to be in Series 2? I would imagine so. Uh, I don't see how he can get left out. Um, So people need to not get their panties in a bunch because he'll be there. Mm -hmm. It's just he's not in Series 1. Um, I didn't notice Michael Bunting on that list either. So I imagine he'll be in Series 2 as well from Toronto. He's also up there on that list. Uh, I don't know if Anton Lundell, I don't remember seeing his name pop up. 
So I imagine he would probably be in series two as well. Um, and, and again, I, I, these are names that might not be household names to those listening, but these are all guys on the top of the point scoring, goal scoring leaders of of the rookie class this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are names that are all going to be front that are all going to be in the Calder discussion when it, when we get closer to the end of the year. So, um, so yeah, you know, all the guys that are rookies that haven't had a rookie card made, you know, will be there. And the other thing too, you got to remember, this is series one, the same rules still apply, I think for series run as they always have. And that's these guys had to have played. Right. So, you know, series one should have came out in November which means these would have been guys that had to have played a game either at the end of last season or the first part of this season. Um, because it was delayed, I imagine you're going to get more of the guys that played at the end of last season with a little mix of guys that played this season. Moving forward, Series 2 will open up to a much bigger audience of player availability. But one thing I did notice and a lot of people have pointed out, you go down the list of players and all the teams that they play for, not a single card of a Seattle Kraken player. Hmm. Yeah. So, interesting. The question is, will there be Kraken cards included in the base checklist? And if there are, will they show the players in their new uniforms? Or will they say Seattle Kraken and show them in their old uniform and then Series 2 might have them in their new uniform? You know, I'm struggling to think of an upper deck card where there's been a mismatch between, okay, a mismatch between the logo and the uniform. Not a jersey card, but like a Series 1, Series 2 base card. I feel like if play if a player gets traded, they'll they'll still show them with the old team in series one. And then if it's a popular enough player in series two, then they'll show him in the new uniform. Like, in fact, like, I know this is like an old example, but like 2011, 2012 victory. I finally finished that set. I got uh, Lee, if you're listening, thanks for completing my 2011, 12 victory set with the last two cards that I needed. So you know, they're glossy cards, and I'm not going to put them in pages, so I put them all in penny sleeves. And I noticed that uh, Series 1 had Chris Versteeg as a flyer, and I'm like, wow, Versteeg sure did get around a lot, right? And then as I'm going through it, I'm sleeving, because I flipped it over, and he's, he started with Toronto. The Blackhawks traded him to Toronto, and in midseason, he went from Toronto to Philadelphia. I'm like, wow, Steger really got around <laughs> right after he left the Blackhawks. And then I'm putting them all in sleeves, and then I got through the first 250 cards and in the last 60, which were the victory updates. And then I'm putting them in sleeves. And then there's Chris Versteeg as a Panther. And I'm like, oh, and he was traded once again. He didn't even stay in Philly all that long. So like they've kind of gotten away from like the player is a, we'll say Canuck, but we're going to put a Penguins logo or whatever. I don't know. I don't that doesn't make sense. But you know what I mean? Like how tops used to do it, or they put like now with Red Wings, right? You know, Upper Deck doesn't really do that like border versus photo mismatch when it comes to its base cards. Now they do it with jersey cards, which 
annoys the crap out of me. Always has. In fact, I used yeah. to send my cards back. The to cards. And I'd, I'd send it back. I said, this is stupid. You know, he's pictured as a North Star, but you put a swatch of a Red Wings jersey. What the heck? Right? You know what I mean? Like, it was just it was so stupid. But um, so that that's a good question. Um, it's not like the Kraken had like their little fancy reveal party like the Golden Knights did in 17, where Upper Deck was able to like have cards of like Marc-Andre Fleury and, and a few of the other guys in their Knights jerseys at that like reveal party. Yeah, but they did do it on live TV. Yeah, and, and there were photographers the guy, there to take pictures. Yeah, and so paraded they were the guys to, across the stage and everything else. So, I mean, there was the opportunity to do that. Right. I mean, even if they do full-scale in the game Timo Solani, where they take a picture of a picture oh, and God, put it on there. terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, they at least had that event where they came out and announced it, and, you know, Ron Francis was there, and he talked about all the players, and they paraded at least, what, five or six of them across the stage. You had Tanev up there, and you had Giordano up there, and, you know, those guys. So they would at least be able to get a couple of the base guys before they had them in, in um, you know, perform- playing jerseys. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing because we don't have a checklist yet, but we do have the Young Gun checklist. We know who's in it. I think it's fairly solid, so I'm I'm fine with it. Can we talk about MVP now? Continue with the Borafil. The what? Borafil, you know, from Billy Madison. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in 25 years. I quoted at least once a day. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. I'm more of a Happy Gilmore kind of guy. I quote that one at least once a day also. Yeah, I mean, if I can ever say you're going to die clown in, like, casual conversation, I will. Just because it's such a great line. (laughs) Or, the price is wrong, bitch. Another great line. Anyway, 21-22 MVP hockey. So weird to have hockey cards from this season in our hands now. So here's the basics. Box online is going to run you about 50 bucks. You get 20 packs in a box. You get eight cards per pack. So you get 160 cards in a box. That's decent. You get a lot of cards for the money. It's not like one of those boxes of cards that cost you $200 and gives you five cards, right? Or in my case, when I just opened a ProSet Memories box recently, four cards for $150. But anyway, MVP came out December 29th of last year. There's also a boxed set coming out in March that'll have a different color border. They're referring to them as like a parallel set. Uh, just, I guess, so people don't like say, well, what the heck? I bought all these boxes of MVP and now you're putting out a box set. Kind of like how I felt when like I would buy like the Topps baseball cards and then at the end of the year, I'd see they had a box set. I'm like, what the hell? I could have just waited for the box set, right? Let's see here. There's 200 base cards and then there's 50 short prints. The first 20 are of star players, and then the last 30 of the short prints are of rookies. So that's basically the set in a nutshell. And then you have, like, parallels, and you have some inserts. You get, like, one of the short prints you get every other pack. You have something called Ice Battles, which is new for this year. Uh, Mascot cards, which look like gaming cards. So basically, like... To cut to the chase here, no more puzzle backs, but we have ice battles and we have mascot cards. 
So just to give you all just a little bit of uh, what is an ice battles card? Both of those are gaming cards, correct? Well, okay. I want the ice battle cards to look a little more different on the front because they almost look identical to the base cards, only they say ice battles. So at the beginning, I thought that I was pulling doubles. I'm like, oh, I got two of the same card in the same pack. Then I said, oh, wait, this one says ice battles. What's the difference? And then I flipped it over and it gives like these gamification or I guess you could call them like EA sports kind of statistics. So let me grab, uh, let's see, who's a good one here? Okay, Matthew Kachuk. I'm going to take a look at him. So overall, 87, speed, 89, strength, 90, skill, 92, awareness, 85. Um, they should have also added annoyingness for Matthew Kachuk and given him 100 because he can get under... Uh, the skin of other players, right? But so that's basically what ice battles are. They're kind of like gaming cards, or I guess that's what they're supposed to be like. Yes. I have some thoughts, which I'll save for a little later. And then you have like the mascot cards, which are actually like gaming cards. They kind of look like Pokemon cards. They have like shiny borders and then they have rounded corners. And then on the back, they have like all the backs are the same. So you could actually like, I don't think you can actually play a game with them because I don't see like enough gaming stuff on them but they're fun i think they're just meant to look like gaming cards and i really like the mascot cards and then all the other inserts that i got i could kind of take or leave like before and after i mean i got a color and contours i got a heart attack great name for you know a heart trophy candidate set i got a super script and eh, whatever so anyways you bought two boxes i got two yes and why? Why did I, I get two? Why did I get two? Because yeah. I because I build the set every year. You do build the set. Okay. So I build the set every year and buying the box set to me is cheating. Plus it's oh. the wrong color. Yeah, I guess that's true. But see, I just like cards. I like having cards and I like having the full set. So yeah, to so me, it wouldn't if matter I can... to buy two boxes. If you like cards, that's more cards. Yeah. I mean when Upper Deck put out the power play set in 2008, 2009 and it was available at Target, I bought it. I was like, hey, this is cool, a box set, yay. And then they put out an update for it. And I bought that too, because I was just like, this is cool. I like getting a complete set of cards. I mean, maybe it is cheating to some. To me, it was just like having a full set of cards and getting them all at once and getting to look at them all at once and getting to have them all at once. I mean, an analogy would be like, imagine if you had to put together a comic book before you could read it. And I know you consume comic books differently than a set of cards, but to me, I like to put the cards in pages. I like to look at them. And I think like when you have a set and it's missing cards, you're like, oh man. But then when you have like 30 sets and you're missing cards, you're like, oh man, times 30. So what if you have 300 sets and you're missing cards? Because that's probably the state that I'm in. But at the same time, that's what I do. And that's, that's how I collect. Do. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I got two boxes. And let's be honest. We haven't had anything that's been reasonably priced for at least two years and 50 bucks a box for brand new cards. Right. Uh, pff, can't really pass that up, honestly. And I was interested in the mascot cards. Yes. Um, to try to at least attempt to put some semblance of a set together. Okay. And then I was thinking in the back of my mind, because I usually put these in a binder and I'll do the puzzle in the binder since they're nicely put together for binder page so that you can see the nine piece puzzle. Um, and then I realized there were no puzzle pieces. 
mm-hmm. and we're opening these packs and we're getting these ice battle cards. And I'm like, what are these ice battle cards for? And then when I flipped one over and I looked at the back and I saw that scoring on it, it immediately dawned on me. I'm like, wow, Upper Deck took the E-Pack Pack Wars and they put it into the packs themselves because that's exactly what these are. The Ice Battles <laughs> cards are the Pack Wars cards from the E-Pack system where if anybody that's familiar with E-Pack, there's a section in your dashboard that you can go to. It's called Pack Wars. You can go in there and challenge other people and do Pack War battles with MVP cards uh, with people all over the world, other collectors. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you ever notice, when you buy, if you buy MVP cards on the EPAC system, you have a choice to buy a regular pack or you can buy a Pack Wars pack. And those Pack Wars pack have these types of cards in them that you can use as part of your battle for your deck to use against the other players. Well, now you don't just have to do the e- go to EPAC to do it. You can pull and make create a deck for Pack Wars out of the physical packs. And that's what these are. That's what the ice battles are designed for. Oh, okay. So See, I didn't know that. I yeah. never knew what Pack Wars was because 99% of the time I don't buy anything on EPAC. I mean, I did buy some of those PHF Captain cards. I haven't opened them yet, but, you know, or I, I did buy a box of Series 2 back in uh, uh, last year on EPAC. But, yeah, I didn't know what Pack Wars was. So, do the Pack yeah. Wars cards only come digitally, like, up until now? Is that what it was, where you just get, like, a Pack War card and it was a digital card? Um, the packs of them are digital. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong on this, so somebody would have to correct me, but I believe that there were Pack War achievement cards that were real. Mm-hmm. Um, that you could get for winning battles and winning so many battles. I don't know if they ever got into the whole tournament thing, mm-hmm. but I know individually I think there were Pack War achievement battles or uh, mm-hmm. cards that you could that were real cards that you could transfer into your account or or have sent to you. Um, but the individual ones are just used for the you know the actual battles themselves. So having these ice battles here, it gives that other dimension. And again, it's $50 for a box, a hobby box of MVP. These aren't designed for the players that are out chasing the RPAs from the cup or looking for the high-end ticket type things. These, This is a, an entry-level type set that comes out every year. It's a base type set, and, and it's geared more towards the affordable type collector that's looking for something that has some variety but is also not going to break the bank. So adding that love, that extra level of something interesting in there like these and those um, mascot cards, I think adds a, another dimension to this set. So rather than chasing a puzzle, there's another, another thing you can do where you can have a, a battle. Now I don't know what the, honestly, I'm, I want to collect the mascots just because it'd be nice to put together a mascot set from just mm-hmm. the NHL players. But you're right. The way the scoring is on here and the, the code, the codes and stuff, there's got to be like a decoder ring for these. For or the some, players. For some not explanation. The mascots. No, the mascots. Cause like, if you look at the gritty card, it says ATK 9,000 DEF 4,000. What, what is that? I don't oh know yeah. That, I, see I don't that. know what that is. Like, I have a Stormy card here. It says MUD 3500, oink, 9000. 
Well, okay, oink, 9,000. So I think those are, like, made-up funny stats. Because, really? like, I got Carlton the Bear, and he has 6,000. He's got a, a fur score of 6,000 and a BLBR score of 8,000. Okay. Spartacat has a fun rating of 8,500, right? Bernie the St. Right. Bernard has a... Love stat of 6,000 and a DRL, I'm going to assume that means drool, stat of 7,000. I mean, he's a freaking St. Bernard. You ever see how much those things drool? Okay. And here. I'm uh, following now because I've right. got, so because I got two boxes, I've got six different ones. And I got right. Louis, Louis, Thunderbug, Hunter, NJ Devil, Sparky the Dragon, and Stormy. And yeah, now that I'm looking at it. Um, like uh, Louie, who's the polar bear, I guess, from St. Louis. Yeah. He is uh, blue and sax. So, like, saxophone, the jazz, right. the note. And Thunderbug has glow and fly ratings. So, I get now, it. Those it's, would be useful stats in, in a combat setting for mascots. Yeah. Glowing and flying can both be very useful st stats. So, I could see how... Uh, how that you could you could might maybe think hey these you can actually like play some sort of game with these right and hunter has prr which i assume is per since he's a bobcat or whatever yeah. it is and slp which is either slap or slurp i'm not really sure it could be <laughs> slip i don't know maybe hmm. slip anyway so uh you know, I'm what trying do, to What do you think of these? What do you think of the mascot cards first? I like them. In fact, the mascot cards were one of the reasons why I wanted to get MVP this year. Because I thought they were very creative. I thought they were fun. Generally, I like mascot cards, but I'm always a little frustrated because they always tend to be very hard to get. I know one year for National Hockey Card Day, so two years back... They're fairly common to get. And then last year's National Hockey Card Day, they were a lot harder to get. But to have like a full set of like all the team mascots, like one consistent set, and not like, you know, oh, well, these five cards and these five mascots from here. I mean, the only one that I could think of that did like all the mascots was last year's Tops hockey stickers did all the mascots this year. They did all the mascots. They didn't do all the octopus. But for the most part, like if you wanted like a comprehensive team mascot set, and I'm sure there's other examples that I'm just forgetting because I wasn't really thinking about this too hard. But I, I like the, the fact that they look like Pokemon cards or magic cards. Uh, I like the fact that they're shiny, you know, again, like a Pokemon card. And I thought that was a creative idea. So that to me was the draw. Um, what, do you, actually, what do you think about the fact that they added the parallel version too? That I don't like because I get tired of parallels of inserts. It's like if you have an insert that's a great idea, great. But if you have to make a parallel of an insert, it means that you don't have another great idea. You know what I mean? And maybe you don't need to have – I would have rather just had five mascot cards instead of four mascot cards and then one super rare, one per box parallel of the same mascot that I just got. You know, I got two Carlton the Bears. Patterned foil board, I believe, is what they're calling it, and they're they're even more shiny. So, like when we were talking about these before, you brought up the fact they look like the old cracked ice yep. um, design, and that's that's sort of what they look like. 
like I, I mentioned I had one of my cards was Stormy. In the other box, my Cracked Ice Parallel was Stormy. And then in the first box, uh, I had Spartacat in there. So those are the two that I got out of both of the boxes. Mm-hmm. But did you end up with... <clears throat> so this is the first year that I can remember that MVP included a hit in the box as a guarantee. Did you get a hit in yours? In uh... your box? I don't think so. I mean, unless a color and contours, does that count as a hit? No, you should have got one in there. Uh, I got a colors and contours of TJ Oshie numbered out of 250. And you sh- I got, you a, got a low number something. I got a superscripts of Victor Arvidsson numbered out of 25. Okay. That that's your, that's your hit. whoop de doo They made the superscripts and, um, all the different versions of those um, to be hits guaranteed one per box. A lot of times you would, you would generally get one, but you were never really guaranteed one. Okay. And this year, this year, that's, that's what it was. I ended up with a superscript Darnell nurse in one box and actually the other box, it was pretty cool. I, I hit a black superscript numbered out of five um, of Jordan Stahl. So I'm not the best player, but still, it was pretty cool. It was numbered out of five, um, and they're the black superscript parallels. So that those was are nice. The the numbered out of five parallels. Yeah. I've pulled some of those before in, in past boxes of, of MVP. And I, that's cool that you say that because as many boxes of MVP as I've opened over the years, I've never pulled a black superscript, not once. This is the mm-hmm. first time ever, and I think it's because they changed this to a you know, you're going to get something in every box kind of thing rather mm-hmm. than, you know, it could be there. It might not be there. It's not guaranteed. You usually get one, but you might not. I've never pulled a black. And that's that's the first time I've ever pulled a black. So a couple of thoughts that I just want to put out there, and I've already touched on one of these. Like, I love the mascot gaming cards. I wish there weren't parallels of them, though. Like, I just... Which is fine. I don't have to collect the 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 nicer parallel. I can just collect the lower end, the the four per box, one every five pack type of parallel, and I'm okay with that. Or parallel, the the standard version. I do like that though. I I thought that was a really cool, different thing. I mean, every now and then Upper Deck throws in an insert or something, and I just go, whoa, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, and I just go, I like this. You know, like I loved last year's portraits in upper deck series one series tunics uh i don't think they were any extended but you know the saved by the bell look as we called it i loved it 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 resonated with me i i wanted that set right like um so every now and then they do an insert where i go this is awesome now the ice battles i think those are pretty cool actually but i want that idea to be pushed further like and i understand that listen Everyone's going to have an opinion. Everybody's a critic. And I mean, when we had uh, Billy Celio uh, from Upper Deck on the show, and, and he explained about like costing and this and that and the other thing. And it's like, you know, everybody thinks they have the answer on how to make the perfect trading card, but it's a lot harder when you actually try to do it. My beef with the ice battles is one, they look too similar to the standard cards like even if they just made the borders a different color like they do with the silver scripts you know what in fact if they did the silver scripts and ice battles as the same card i'd like that like on the front if it had like the silver border it had the silver autograph 
and it, you know, well, facsimile autograph. And then on the back, they had the stats, but then I want more stats. Like, I, I get it. Speed, strength, skill, awareness. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I think I just want, I don't know, like, I guess speed and strength and skill. Yeah, I guess that, I guess those are generic enough. Like, speed is speed. Speed is always speed and speed kills and strength is strength. You know, I feel like all these guys are going to have pretty high skills because nobody wants to have a low skill rating on a trading card. You got to think of it in terms of the game itself, though. So if you're battling with somebody, you don't want to sit there and have to do a head-to-head between your two cards and look at 17 different categories of things and try to do a cumulative total and average it out to see who won. Okay, You just throw out there and say, okay, who's the fastest player? Boom, flip it over. You look at speed. Boom, you're done. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that, that's that's really what it's designed for. It's something not that complicated, but still has the competitive dimension to it. Well, I think that because they look so close to the base cards, I... I, I get your point on that. I get yeah. your point completely, because that is the base card. And really, there's no difference between them. The only difference on the ice battles is the rookie ice battles. Don't say rookie on them. Yeah. That's the, really the, that's really the only difference. But you know, the high numbers are blue. The low numbers mm-hmm. are that greenish teal color. Just I'm the same glad, as the base cards. Glad you brought up high numbers because actually, there's one point I want to make about that too. And my problem with the high numbers is that 20 of them are of star players. So why this annoys me is because it means one through 200 are like the okay to pretty good players, and then 201 through 220 are like the best players. And in 221 through 250 are the rookies. And so... I you would think was, that, but if you look at who's in that mix... Yeah, they're not all the best. Like, yeah. Connor McDavid's in there, but, you know... Yeah, it's got McDavid and Crosby and Kane and, like, McKinnon and Matthews and Stamco. So, you know, those guys are in there. Right. Uh, and it's got some younger guys in there. But the one thing that jumped out at me is... I mean, he's a good player, but... I don't know that I would put Mark Shifley in the in that list. And believe it or not, they also put Jake Gensel in there. Yeah, I got Gensel, actually. And I'm like, Gensel's good, but I don't know. I don't know if he'd be in that, in that mix. You so know what I, mean? I, I think that, like, either do 50 rookies or do 30 rookies, but I, I just think it's a disservice when they set up hockey cards – when you reserve the very best players and make them short prints, right? Like I can get like short printing the rookies because you have to create some sort of demand for them. And if they're printed in the same amount, then, you know, the rookie cards, even of like the lower end players don't have that same desire. It would just be a common. But I think that like when you take the best players and you make them short prints, so then what is a base set then if it doesn't even have the best players? I get your point because so, this is MVP and it's what I would consider the lower, the lower end. Right. I mean, I look at it as a base set of this is 250. I mean, technically it's 200 plus the short prints, but I look at it as like, look, it's 250. You know, are, are they short printed? Yes. Are they harder to get pack wise? Yes. But in the grand scheme of things, are they impossible? No. Cause yeah. they're one every, they're one in every pack. Every other, every other pack. I mean, yeah, but that's still not, you know, that's still not terrible. I mean, that's, that that's not hard. And then, you know, one, 
one thing that I, I just was thinking about this today when I was trying to think of something insightful to say, I was going to say, is MVP the new victory? But then I'm like, nah, because victory was a buck a pack. And these are like 250 a pack. Yeah, and when victory was around, victory was the bottom of the barrel. Right, now this is the MVP bottom of the barrel. MVP was the next one up. Yep. <laughs> so because they've eliminated that, I think they, that's why they've done a lot of the tweaking and changing over the years to the product just to try to mix it up a little bit. So, but those of you looking for rookie cards, I mean, this is your first chance at an actual major release with some of those rookies that are going to be in series one. Some of them that aren't going to be in series one, for instance, MVP has Quentin Byfield. Mm-hmm. who is not in series one. Right, because you're um, saving them for Series 2. Yeah, so this is your first shot at a, an actual Quentin Byfield card. So. so what do you think of the before and after cards? Because uh, I, Oh, the inserts? Yeah, because you know what? I looked at these, and I was just like, why? Like, okay, I like the shiny background, very 90s. I'm, I'm digging on that. Did you but get like, any of the gold I, ones? Uh, it doesn't look like it. They all look the same. They'd be gold at the bottom border instead of purple. No, I don't got any of those then. Okay, okay. But, like, I got one of Carey Price, and he's wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. And a Bluetooth earpiece in one of the pictures. And then on the back it says, Price arrived in Brooklyn looking sleek from head to toe and then made yeah. 20 saves in the Canadian 6-2 win on March 3rd, 2020. So it's like, okay, he's wearing a cowboy hat, and it's like before and after. I mean, this is the player in their street clothes. This yes. is the player in their uniform. Don't like them. Silly so, idea. When I saw these at first, when I pulled one out of the pack, I saw before and after. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like those mirror image ones, but the uh, short printed ones from last year that had a picture of the player as a rookie versus a player at now. So that's what I thought this was. I thought it was before and after. Like, this is them like from their draft day, and this is them now. Because I didn't know what they were at first. And so that's right. what I thought. But then I pulled, uh, who was it that I got? It was, um, oh, Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's wearing like a beanie hat. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just saw that picture not that long ago. Right. Like, that's not right. And so that's when I realized this is something different. And I had to go and look and see that it was before, meaning before the game, and after, meaning, like, during the game. And that's why I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. I, yeah, and I'll tell you this. Upper Deck can do this every year, not this, but this idea that they do from time to time. Or I don't know if they do it from time to time, but if these had a draft day photo on the left and a current year photo on the right, I would love that. When I collected baseball cards, I used to love when Tops would do those turn back the clock cards and they'd be like, here's Tom Seaver from 1968 and here's Tom Seaver from 1984. Actually, I don't know if Tom Seaver started in 68, but you get my idea. Like, here's the player from, you know, here's Nolan Ryan from 1968 and here's Nolan Ryan from 1984. And then you see how the player has aged and how they look different and they're in a different uniform and 
I would love a set like that with hockey. Like if they said, you know, here's Sidney Crosby draft day photo and here's Sidney Crosby from the past season. Awesome. Right. Here's Joe Thornton from 97. Here's Joe Thornton from now. Awesome. Right. Like I would love a set like that, like a then and now kind of set. I think just like here's a player wearing a suit on his way to the rink and here's the player in his uniform. Well, to me, this is kind of a. This is this is kind of an ice time version of the suit parallels that are in uh, regular base series one and series yeah, two. Yeah, which I and the reason why kind I, of fun to yeah. like pull randomly, like oh that's different. But the reason why I say that is th- this is like something you would see on Ice Time uh, if you ever watch Ice Time. Sometimes anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's think of the old school NBA inside stuff only for hockey, but now uh, it's basically the same thing. Especially when you read the quips on the back, because I, that's kind of what I feel like this is, is more geared towards like, you know, hey, Eric Carlson's a cool guy. You know, he shows up with his mustache waxed and his fine suit and everything. And he's, you know, on his technology as he comes in and doing all whatever. And then he's a force on the ice. And, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of thing. They, where, uh... where Upper Deck takes the serious approach and gives you like a full shot of them in their suit. You know, MVP is more like, hey, this guy's just like you and and wears normal clothes and before he goes out on the ice kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to justify it. I guess I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> there was one other insert in there. So they had the before and after and they had the heart attack ones. What do you think of those? Uh, actually, I like them. I You know, because whenever you have like a, a whenever you have an insert set of heart trophy candidates, they're always going to be of, like, the top players in the league. And I'm actually really drawn to these, like, this particular foil board. It's very 1990s, and I like it. It's got that kind of, I think of, like, those, like, uh, Marvel cards or, like, um, there was, like. Um, well, it looks like that cracked ice again. Yeah, but I'm I saying. I think they like all this, look like that. Yeah, but this particular, but I'm just saying that, like. It's very 90s. I used to work in a comic book store and I remember like we'd have like all the different superhero cards. And like I remember like circa like 1993 is when this sort of like prismatic background because it's like a cracked dice. But when you like hit it with the light, it like changes colors. And so I like the way it looks. And whenever you have a set of like heart candidates, it's going to be great players. So no problems here. Huh? My wife hated the name. Well, yeah. When we pulled one, we pulled out of the first box. The first one we pulled was the was Drysital, mm-hmm. and turned a certain way. You couldn't really read what it said on the bottom. It, all you could read was attack. You couldn't read heart because of mm-hmm. how shiny it was. Mm-hmm. She's like, "What does that say?" And I turned it and I said, "Heart attack." Apparently, these are like heart trophy candidates. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "That's the dumbest name ever." <laughs> I'm like, but look, in between heart attack, it's got like a little heartbeat monitor thingy. And she went, yeah, it's still not doing it for me. Oh, yeah, I see that now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't, don't mind them. They're kind of, I think they're kind of like, I actually like the before and after ones better than these. Huh. Interesting. That's I'd true. like the before and after if they did more than just like, here's Connor McDavid, you know, here. Pacific Division Captain McDavid looked sharp. As he walked the red carpet on the eve of his fourth NHL All-Star game on January 24th, 
2020. It's just like... But that's annoying because now you know that this is BS because, yeah, that might have been him in his suit at the All-Star game. That's definitely not a picture of him at the All-Star game. No. Because their jerseys were different. Yes. He wasn't wearing his orange Oilers jersey at the All-Star game. You are correct. So... Change their own, I guess. I know. Like... I like some of the ideas. I just wish they push them further, like the before so what and after. The, what about the anniversary in set? You, you know, when you were that? explaining these to me, I had no idea what you were talking about. When you were like, they have a watch on them, or were you saying that they had the word watch on them? And I was no, like, no, thinking, no. they were the, from the MVP watch set from like 0102 or whatever it was. Like, watch them play or like wristwatch? Because I, I mean, I'm. Watch can mean more than one thing. Well, I MVP watch is what yeah. they said on the old cards. Yeah, so it has the word on watch these. on it. And yeah. I just. I, you, you didn't know why? Do you not have cards from that year? No, that was. Came dude, out? dude, those were my blackout years from oh, okay. 97 to 05. Well, I that's remember. why you don't get the reference. See? If you had some of these, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen those before. I mean, I probably have. I probably have two dozen of them in a box somewhere, but yeah, honestly, I'm kind of, even though it's cool to see the old design with the newer players, I'm kind of burned out on this whole anniversary thing. They've been doing it for a few years now. It's kind of like what tops does with its baseball. Like they're like, it's the 25th anniversary of, or it's the 35th anniversary of 1987 tops. You know, it's, it's, it's always an anniversary of some year. Of something, right? So yeah, I mean, it's going to be that every year until the end of time. You're always going to it's twentieth of something and twenty first of something else and twenty fifth of something else. So, like I said, yeah, it's cool to see the old design with some of the new players on it. Just from what I got, mm-hmm. I also got, I also ended up with two gold, gold versions. Um, hmm. There's also silver versions as well, um, but. Yeah, I'm kind of burned out on it. I was going to try to build all of them mm-hmm. like I have for the last couple of years, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, you get to a point where you just can't, like, you can't get Because there's a hundred of them. That's the thing. There's a hundred of them. Right. So... And last year's, last year's MVP uh, parallel retro set, I liked that set. I mean, I do remember those. And I tried to build them, and then after a while, it just became like, you know, this is overwhelming. Yeah, having 100, I mean, definitely buying boxes, you're not going to get them. No. I mean, even if you buy cases, you're not going to get them all. Well, these will be available on EPAC soon, so you will be able to pick them up that way. They will. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically, for the most part, all of the main uh, items that are in there. Um, Now, of course, because it's MVP, you have the shot at those redemption cards, right? The rookie redemptions. You didn't happen to get any, did you? No. Although one time was uh, I did get was in Jack Hughes draft year. I actually got the redemption for his card, and I do actually have a Jack Hughes MVP rookie redemption card. That was like the one year I got lucky with MVP. Yeah, one year I pulled the um, the rookie redemption for the Atlantic division. Okay. So 
they sent you the whoever the rookie card was from each team in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. That was the only that was the only rookie redemption I pulled ever from the more recent MVP releases. Hmm. And then of course they have the number one draft pick redemption checklist as well. Which those will be fulfilled once they have the draft. Mm-hmm. So we don't don't really know who that will be until they have the draft, but those are like one out of twelve hundred packs or something. Wait, which draft? The upcoming draft next year? Yeah, whoever whoever the whoever the number one pick ends up being is usually who's on that card. But wouldn't that be from the most recent draft, like the twenty one draft? You would assume so, but they would know who the player was, I would think. And they would have it posted because we already know who was picked. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So I always assumed it's for the next, whoever the next draft pick is going to be. But again, I don't know because I've never seen one, nor have I seen one in person. I mean, keep in mind that these have been in production for a while. I mean, I got a Philip Grubauer card and it doesn't say anything about him being with the Kraken. He's still pictured with the Avalanche and it still says Colorado Avalanche. So, I mean... Yeah, there's yeah. definitely no cracking in this entire checklist. There was, I mean, there's there was obviously a delay between when the set was ready to get printed and when the set actually got printed. And they didn't like say, oh, well, you know, we got an extra couple of months. Let's add, you know, let's let's update some of the player photos. Like that wasn't even an option. Yeah. So you didn't happen to pull any autos, did you? No. I think those are one in every four hundred packs. Yeah. And that's uh I mean that's a rarity. I've seen a few floating around on eBay. Mm-hmm. They're red or magenta, I think. I've seen magenta ones, yeah. Yeah, they're magenta. Interesting. It's weird to see MVP cards signed. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? I mean, that's definitely a different thing. I still haven't been able to figure out if they're sticker auto or on card because all the pictures I've seen of them, they really look like they're on card. But... It's that weird space that's kind of like fuzzy in the middle mm-hmm. where it's kind of like whited out almost. So it's hard yeah. to tell because they, they do that to try to hide the the borders of the stickers, I think. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if you can make the sticker auto look good, then I don't really care. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I got a Marion Hosa sticker auto and it's one of my favorite cards because it was designed really well, like where they put the sticker and they put it on straight and they didn't put it on upside down. So I'm okay with all those things. If I remember right, there's only 20 or 25 autos. It's all either the high number stars or the rookies. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's different. That's a different aspect of MVP that we haven't necessarily seen before. But colors and contours, you know, that's a that's a recycle. And, of course, the postseason cards. Or like the all-star or the MVP, like the team MVP ones that are Mm -hmm. a different photo that are unannounced Mm -hmm. pretty much most of the time. Apparently, those are all out there, too. I didn't get any of those or see any of those, Um, but they're out there. And those generally, people sell those for fairly high ticket prices. Really? Yeah, because they're, they're pretty rare. But uh, other than that, I mean, like, like I said before, the mascot cards are really cool. I'm not going to go after the ice battle ones by any means, but it's a different dimension to the set mm-hmm. for sure. 
and I'm in. I'm going to build it. I mean, I build it every year. I think MVP looks pretty good in a binder. So we'll see how long this one takes me. I know out of two boxes, putting them together, I ended up 67 cards short out of the 250 cards. Well, I haven't shorted mine yet, but last year I built MVP, but I didn't complete it. I think I completed the base set, but not the short prints. And I was trying to get all the inserts, and I know I'm nowhere near that. This year, I'm not going to build the set. I am going to definitely get get the boxed set because I believe, you know, I like it. And I think if you like something, you you buy it. You know, you support it with your dollars, right? But I think I'm definitely going to focus on Fleer Metal, excuse me, Skybox Metal that's going to come out for 21-22 and, of course, Series 1 and Series 2. Fingers crossed that another extended series comes out. And I don't know, you know, maybe maybe Opeachy if and when that comes out. And oh, it'll come out. It'll come out, but, you know, by July will I care? When I go, oh, you know, they're not even in the right uniforms because this is <laughs> 12 months out of date. You know what I mean? It's like you said you wanted to open cards of the current year as it's happening and not last year's cards this year. Well, I mean, I wanted to get, I wanted to get something with the current year, at least on it. You to say, hey, we're already halfway through the season and we don't have this year's product yet. So that's what I was anxious for. So mm-hmm. you know, we're getting this. We should have series one in the next couple weeks, hopefully, with any luck, and maybe things will start rolling from there. Yeah. Well. Let's hope. So uh, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Because I think I've pretty much said everything I need to say about MVP. I mean, it's, it's a decent set. There are things I like about it. There's things that I wish were a little different. But, you know, I think it's a fun set. Like I said, even though I'm not going to build it this year, I think it's it's a, definitely an eye-catching set. Actually, you know, one thing I'll just say real quick, the backs look really nice. Sometimes the backs are over-designed. I'm just looking at the back of these cards, and they're just they're perfect. I want all the stats, but they don't do all the stats. They do five years of stats. That's fine. They got the vitals. They got a blurb. And they're easy to read, and I appreciate that. Honestly, I do. They're easy to read. They're easy to sort because the numbers are nice and big. I think it's a good set. I mean, I agree. It's it's a, it's a solid lineup. I think a lot of your concerns that you have on it, are they're valid. They're definitely valid. I'm honestly glad they got rid of the puzzle pieces, even though they were fun. They're hard to chase. They are because there's just too many of them. Yeah, I mean, the there's, whole set there's a lot. is puzzle pieces. Yeah, and that's it's a lot, and so it's nice to not have that. Definitely not going to chase the ice battles, but I do appreciate what they're for. Uh, so that makes it a little easier for me to put the set together because that's one less parallel to chase for me. Right to, cons- to consider not... consider my set. Right. The inserts the inserts are all right. They're they're solid. Do like the mascots though a lot. Yeah, so. the mascots are awesome. That that they knocked it out of the rink with that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most collectors are going to feel the same, which scares me how these gonna are gonna end up on the secondary market. <laughs> People are gonna think they're worth billions. If they were one per box, I could see it becoming pretty hard to put together. But I think at four per box, five if you count that, you know, super extra special one. It's not going to be an impossible set to put together. Yeah, it won't be impossible, but I think some of them people are going to, I don't want to say hoard, but you're going to see higher numbers. 
Gritty, for instance. Gritty is the Gretzky of mascots. The Gretzky of mascots. He's the Gretzky. It's the great Gritty. The Gretzky. Sorry, I cut you off. I had that epiphany that I just no. needed to share right now. No, right there with the Gritzky. That we just need to end it on that right there. That, that's enough. You sure? You don't want to talk about the watch parallels some more? Right there's the mic drop. Okay. Well then, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the Real DFG. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.